This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening. Uh, next week there will not be a shear because I'm going to be out of town and it's Wednesday night. So almost Pesach. You should be cleaning, cleaning for Pesach and do what you got to do. Perak Pei Vav Kavayasha says the following. Ki ekach mayed ani sharim eshpait to heal him. We do not go in the ways tonight, by the way. Let me read the letter from the girl that I promised you. If I don't, remind me at the end of the share. Um, our way is not the way of the Goyim. Our customs are not their customs. The, the, the day of their festival, they eat, they drink, they get drunk, right? They, they eat eggnog, drink eggnog. They go to the bar, they go to the movies. But the Jewish nation, even though they, they do eat, we do eat, we do drink, we are happy. So that's against Kiddush clubs. Because here it says, the first half of the day you're davening, right? Halal and all that. You're not going out in the middle of davening to make Kiddush, right? So we're different. The first half of the day, we're not partying, we're davening. Right? What time do you finish out? It's 12 o'clock. Especially if you start at 9, right? Umarich bepiutim, bepiutim, those who say piyutim. Bakachlenim so we, uh, we, what's it called? We go into Yantiv differently. It's not only about the food, right? We first daven, a long davening. Even on Pesach, it shouldn't be only about the food. Now, I know a lot of, today a lot of people do not say piyutim, right? Um, we see piyutim, but we have piyutim. What are piyutim? Yaitzvah, this past week we had Yosef, Pashas Chaydesh, right? We have on Purim. So he says you should say them. When you first go to Shul and you sing Hallel and you Davin, don't be in a rush, right? Then afterwards at Rosh Hashanah you come home at 2.30, but on Pesach, let's say, you come home at 12 o'clock. And they, you set up your table, and it's very important. You know, it says that when you, when you buy food for Yantav and Shabbat, you should say, look, cover Shabbat's Kaya, this should cover Yantav. The Korean guy buy my food, he tells everyone, my fruit store, kosher. That was the wrong accent. But anyway, um, so people tell him, sir, Kim, that's Kim, Kim, all vegetables and fruits are kosher. There's no such thing as a vegetable that isn't kosher. You know that, guys? There's no such thing as a vegetable that isn't kosher. And there's no such thing as a fruit that isn't kosher. Is Rabbi Wallace saying the truth? No, Rabbi Wallace is not saying the truth. Climb isn't kosher. Is climb not kosher to eat or is climb not kosher to grow? Really? You eat kiwi? Yeah. Kiwi's climb. It's made from a a honeydew and a strawberry. But we didn't plant it. We we don't eat carrots. I'm talking about, about Klayim right now. So, 
The claim I'm talking about is the product. Not the two fruits next to each other, the product. Kiwi, what else is a, what else is a, uh, I think a nectarine is really also, you know, it's so, so here so long already, but I think it's also a mixture of something. Like a peach of, uh, what's a bloody orange uh, mix of? An, an orange and a, how do they get the red in there? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's not a shile of what? What about it? Could, it could be Klyam. What? It's certified, no Klyam? It's all plants? Plants could be Klyam. Why is Rebbe against marijuana? Hundred percent, and also, it doesn't give you the the power to deal with life. You're escaping. We had a, we had a whole long discussion today. I had a whole long discussion today with um, somebody about. Oh, it's gonna, I'm gonna get into such big trouble. A lot of trouble. So, I know a lot of people that are in therapy and went to rehabs, and it just seems to be that so many people relapse. The best rehabs, the 60000 a month, the three months, the year. I'm trying to understand that. Manishtana, you take two people. You put them in the same rehab, you put them in the same therapist, you put them in the same medicine, one makes it and one doesn't. One relapses and one doesn't. And there's a crazy high percentage that I don't want to disillusion anyone because of what do you mean? Oh my gosh, are my kids always going to be... No. But is it the therapy that makes you not relapse or is it the person? And it's the, it's the resilience of the person. What? You need to get, first of all, you need to get busy. We got, guys are much, do much better than girls because guys, money is very important to them because money is power. And we also like to gather things. Like, that's why we like a lot of nice, nice cars, marry a beautiful women. We, you know, hunters go out there and they have the heads of the deers and the beers and they're going, I mean, all, it's called taxidermy. They stuff it and they have it all over, around the house. What are you, what are you doing? What? We like to show off what we own, what we own, duh. What we have power over. So, someone has an addiction, someone's in depression, but then he starts to make money, he starts to gather things, and he starts to get a little bit powerful, and people in shul give him covered, and people come to his house and ask him for advice. I have a friend that was very, very wealthy, and all day long people came and asked him for advice. They lost all his money, and nobody came to ask him for advice. He said, I don't understand. I didn't lose my, I didn't lose my brains, I lost my money. <laughs> right? And the answer is, yeah, okay. Um, so, so, so guys, they're making money and they feel good about themselves. So that helps themselves. They learn. They're playing ball. Girls don't have that. It's not like they can join the daf. It's not like they have a chabusa. It's not, you know, they're not that money driven and they're not that sports driven. So when they get hurt and they, and they, and they stop, start abusing drugs and other things, there's very little out there to keep them busy and give them that 
adrenaline. So it's a big problem. But anyway, our, our, my discussion with the therapist today was um, if the person's resilient, I'm not going to say the person's resilient and he doesn't go to therapy, he's going to be okay anyway. I'm not saying that, but I'm sort of saying that in a different way. Uh, if a, if when you throw away the crutch, it's up to the person to, to, to do the walking because the, the physical therapist can, can, can help you, but if you don't help yourself and you don't walk and you don't do what he asks you to do, it's, it's not going to work. So it's really, really it's a lot to do with the resilience of the person themselves. And the ones that don't relapse are the ones that are, are they want life, they're not looking back, they're looking forward, they're busy, busy is very important. One of the biggest chasadim you can do for a drug addict is to give him a job after he you know, went to rehab. Because if he goes back to where he's coming from, he has no chance. So a lot of guys, the few guys, the, the guys, not few guys, the few guys that I know that were addicted to things and, and did not relapse were guys who were very successful afterwards. They went into business and money became their addiction. Okay, you're not hurting, you know, as long as you're honest. So they're in their office till 9 o'clock at night and they're looking at their stock market all day. And to improve resiliency, improve it's all part of it. It's all part of it. it, it what comes... Yeah, but what comes first, the self the self confidence or the doing something good? In, in other words, if I do something good, I get confidence. If I do something good, I get confidence. If I get confidence, I do something good. So which one comes first? You have to do something that you feel confident doing. But I'm not getting on the court if I don't think I can I can hit a basket. And that's the thing. So I'm asking you again, okay. what came first? The just doing it. The doing it or the confidence? Because many times I can't do it because I don't have the confidence to do it. So the mission you're picking up. Everything. What? Yeah, but, but, but I'm not going to do it if I'm not confident. Oh, so you have to push yourself. It's like getting up in front of the class and you have a lisp or a stutter and you don't want to do it because you're not confident. Zot the mission because everything is in the Torah. Everything's in the Torah. What? Everything's in the Torah. Here we go. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. I saw it this morning. Number one. You should love to work. Should learn tire, of course, but you should love to work. You got to keep busy. Got to keep busy. You got to keep busy. Shammai says, I say to Rosh Hakeva, when you learn Torah, do it at the same time every day. Emma Ma'at, don't talk. I say Harbe, but do a lot. people with a the nice face, even if even if you're not going to give them that much money or whatever they're coming for, but that's not what I'm looking for. The main thing is not talking about it. Get it done. 
But it's still not what I'm looking for. That's that's um and crack and tire. There's no money, there's no tire if you don't have what to eat. Not nothing. In many Rosh Hashivas, all they did was learn all day. Not, not such a bad thing. This Nishka Fellow. You want to hear one of the hardest? You want to hear one of the hardest missionaries? Listen to this. So you get you get this kid. He's not learning. He's off the derech. He's not doing anything. You finally talk him into learning, and he starts learning. He's like. Swagging around, you know. I just made a see him. I just finished Shas. I was like, you're like, right? So you're very proud. Anyone in this room to finish Shas? Anybody? Okay, Mitzvah Hashem, we will. I didn't either yet, right? But imagine finishing Shas, right? You feel good about yourself. You got smicha today. You feel good about yourself, right? So the kid's like, hey, Rebbe, so what do you think, man? She came back from Eretz Yisrael for Pesach. I finished 10 Mesechtas, Rebbe. What do you think? Say, come here, let me tell you what I think. Ready? Rabbi Yechem ben Zakai Kibla Mihilu Shamai. Rabbi Yechem ben Zakai. Learn from Hilo and Shamai. Who I am, he used to say. If you did a lot of learning, I'll tachazik the toyvul asmacha. Don't think of yourself so well. That's why I created you. Like, don't walk around thinking, like, wow. You know, wow, that's what you created for. Isn't that pushing? I'm not pushing this mission. What? No. You can feel good. You can feel good that you're learning. Right? You want to tell the guy to feel good that he's learning. So look, look at the words. What does that mean exactly in English? So it, it, it's like, Hashem doesn't owe you like to reward you for that. Even though Tamatari can agree cool. Don't walk around swaggering because at the end of the day, this is what the physicists, they all they're the ones who write the the, the atheistic they don't believe in God, right? But what Akash Baruch was saying was they're like, I I created you to be intelligent. I created you to have the ability to look, to read, to study, to process. That's all me. So like don't walk around as a, you, sh- you should be happy you learn Torah you should be very proud that you learn Torah but, but the atzmacha has to go it's me it's the physicist it's, uh, it's my intelligence you know who I am the atzmacha don't, don't be machzik don't be machzik don't, don't grab on to the atzmacha because I created you to, 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 to be intelligent to think your eyes you, if you didn't see and you didn't hear and you didn't think you didn't have a brain you had one of those diseases that you forget everything and you can't remember anything, right? So it's the altachzik toivah la'atzmacha. Get rid of the atzmacha. The kachnatzata. I'm the one who created, gave you the ability, and that's why toiv shibarei from the Gehenim. Why only the good doctors are going to Gehenim? Because the bad doctors they know it's from Hashem, but the good doctors they're walking around with their heads up like you know I do surgery on little teeny hearts. I mean you know who I am? Who are you? Why does your hand shake? Because Hashem made your hand that you're. It doesn't shake. He gave you the brains to be able to do this. So, anyway, that's not, that's not what I'm, I don't really want to do Pirkei tonight. What I'm looking for, uh, 
I love that mission. It's not for you to finish the job, it's for you to start it. I come on and learn it today. Oh. These are two missions that that um, go together. Actually, three missions. Chanina ben Daisa said, A person who has Yiras Shemayim, and his Yiras Shemayim comes before his intelligence, he's going to stay intelligent. And anyone whose wisdom is, I'm sorry, let's do it again. He's he's scared not not, not your shemaim. He's scared to sin comes before his chachma because you can always rationalize as a chachma what you're doing wrong. You can always rat. You're very smart. You can make it no matter how bad you did something. You can make it. You can rationalize it. And a person who is a brainiac but he doesn't fear God. It's not going to last. This is the mission I, that I learned today that I wanted to say over. A person who does more than he thinks. In other words, he he doesn't sit there all day thinking, you know, wow, I could do this, I think I should do that. And then everything's passing him by, right? He, he does the Misa. He's not only going to do the Misa, but he's going to stay smart. But a person who is just always thinking, but he doesn't do anything, in the end, he won't have any brains and he won't do anything. And the best story that I've ever heard of this Mishnah, the best story around, is the guy with the horse. You remember the guy with the horse? The guy has a beautiful white horse. And, like my white horse, right? And he wants to make sure that the horse is very well taken care of. So he builds a barn, puts the horse in the barn. Then he builds a gate around the barn so the horse won't get out. And he's looking at the barn, he's looking at the, at the gate, and he's like, I need a human being here watching my horse. It's not good enough just to have it, right? i got to bring Dana. Somebody has to watch my horse, right? So he hires minimum wage. A watchman gets minimum wage. I get $10 an hour. The guy sits down. Okay. The next morning he wakes up, he's very nervous. Maybe my horse ran away. He goes into the barn, the horse is there, Bach Hashem, Bach Hashem. He goes over to the guard, the guard was sitting there the whole night, he says, if you fall asleep, I'm firing you. So he, he goes over to the guard, he says, I want to ask you a question. When you knock a nail into the wall, and then, right, you take a nail, you knock it into this wall, and then you take the nail out, there's a hole. All that wood that was in there before you knocked it in, right, where did it go? There's a hole. Did it go... To the end of the nail, you know, you push the wood this way, or did it displace it when it went in? You pushed it to the sides. Did the stuff go to the sides, or did it go to the end? The owner's like, "That's what you were thinking about a whole night, said, whole night." Try to figure it out. He says, "Wow, you you're much smarter than I, I hired. I thought, I thought I hired an idiot. You're so smart. I'm paying you twelve dollars an hour. You deserve it. Twelve dollars an hour. Okay. Next day, I love this story." The next day, I was looking, running into the barn to see if anybody took his horse. It's there. He goes over to the guy. He says, "New, no. last night, a whole night you're up. What were you thinking about? He says, last night I had a big caution. If you have a donut 
with a hole. And you eat the whole donut, the whole thing. Where does the hole go? Does the hole go back into the rest of the ear of the world? But being that you ate it, does the hole go into your stomach? Or maybe it was never a hole. Because a hole means you have a piece of something, you made a hole into it. No, they take the dough and they make it around like that. So maybe the chachila was a hole. This guy's like, oh my gosh, what kind of watchman? I don't know the answer. Is it, is, is it, does it go into your stomach? Does it go into it? It's a big kasha. It's $15 an hour. You deserve. You, you're brilliant. Okay. Next day, guy comes downstairs. It's only one more day. Guy comes downstairs. He goes into the barn. No horse. Looks outside. No horse. Runs over to the guard. He says, where's my horse? He says, you want to know what I was thinking about a whole night last night? says, around 1 o'clock, I went to check the horse. The horse wasn't there. And I'm trying to figure out, how is it possible you have a barn and a gate and a watchman and the horse disappeared? He said, at 1 o'clock, you knew my horse wasn't here? He goes, yeah. Why don't you go look? Why don't you chase after it? He said, no, first I had to figure out how it, how it left. You mean sugar that's eight hours later. Who knows where the horse is? It might be dead. It might have fallen off a cliff. What are you doing? That's chachmosay, meruba, mamaisov. The guy sit a whole night trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, the horse is gone. I know people in life, I, I know people in life, a whole life, you know, Hashem, trying to figure out Hashem, the creation, and how this was first, and that was last, and I don't understand this, and I don't understand that, and right? whole life you question, question, question. Meanwhile, the horse has been gone for 25 years. The guy doesn't learn anything. He doesn't dominate anything. He's just busy trying to figure it out. She says, stop trying to figure it out. If you do it, if you get the action, you will get the siyad nishmaya to get the chachma to understand what to say. The meiser brings the chachma. The chachma doesn't bring the meiser. All the stories with Bill Gates at Apple, he had two, there were two guys in college and they had the idea first. And anyway, the same thing with Arnav. I remember when I opened Arnav like two years later when Arnav was rocking, right? Someone came up and said, you know, I, I thought about the girls who come back from seminary, that they don't have anything to do. And I was going to do this. I said, and? Well, you did it. I said, why do you think I did it and you didn't do it? Because you're still thinking about it. There's still guys thinking about making Facebook. They're still thinking because they knew first, but they didn't do it. They just sold a company for a billion dollars. This, this company where you ring the bell, if somebody rings the bell, you're able to see on your phone, Right? Right, Amazon bought for a billion dollars today, right? Is it push it? It's push it. Any, 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 any guy in electronics could do it for nothing, right? But he thought of it. He accepted the right. He thought of it. Everyone's like, oh, I could have done that billion dollars, Amazon. I could have done that. It's nothing. It's a bell with a camera. With a guy. It's nothing. It's nothing. A billion, a, a billion dollars. Because he thought of it, and he went and made it. And everyone else thought of it, and they said, eh. He was on Shark Tank. And they didn't buy it. They didn't go partners with him. No. He showed it to all five, and they said, no. We, no, you're never going to make it. You're full fan. They laughed and laughed them off the show. Goodbye. Laughed. Sold it today for a billion dollars. Mice, you got to do it. You got to take the action. So I think. I think. Don't want you to yell at me. Don't send me emails. I think. To say this very delicately. I think that therapy, I love therapy, don't get me wrong, 
I'm, no, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. The good therapist, uh, good therapist. I send a lot of girls to some very, a lot of good people, and they really help them. I think the therapy is the chachmasai, and I think there needs to be ma'isa. If there's no ma'isa, the chachmas. I'm, I'm just talking from Pirkei there's no ma'isa, then the chachmosa is not miskayemes. If the chachmosa is not miskayemes, then you relapse. So for all those who don't know Hebrew, the Mishnah says, intelligence without action, the intelligence will be lost. Action first, and intelligence, then the intelligence will be kept. I feel that there's a lot of thought process, chachmosa, intelligence, that is used in many processes in therapy. But if there's no action, like the Mishnah says, if we don't get these kids a job, we don't get them back into life, there's no action, then the chachmosa enim is kayemis. It's a Mishnah, it's not Ramon In the end, they will relapse because the chachma that they learned EBT, EBT, EMDR, whatever, whatever they're doing, right? EBT, all these different things, DBT, EBT, all of them, it's a chachma. It's a chachma how to heal. And if you do the ma'isa, then the chachma will be miskim. If you don't do the ma'isa. So we were talking about today that the kids that make it are the kids that do something about it, not just talk about it. There's the two missions. You will talk and don't do it. It's not going to be Amos Kayamas. And you can see the difference. There were kids that come out of rehab and they just made up their mind, I'm going to make something out of myself. But I'm not going to sit at home till 4 o'clock figuring out where the horse went, how this happened, why this happened. You know, the guy's walking, the famous philosopher, true story. He was walking with his whole chevra, they're all following him. He's showing them the big dipper and the little dipper and there was a big hole and he fell in. Right? So a student looked down and said to him, whatever, Professor, first know what's below your feet before you, what's above your head. Know, what you, what's above, know what's going on in this world before you start talking about the next world. All right? How did we get to that? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know how we got to that, but how we got to that. Okay. Anyway, so we're talking about, oh, Piyutim. We're talking about Piyutim. And that a person... First, we dive in and we learn, then we go home and we set the table, and we have the Chavit Shabbos and Chavit Yosef. So, so I was telling you that the Korean guy, I'm so ADD, that the Korean guy um, told everyone that it's kosher because there's a rabbi that talks to his fruit. It's me. So I'm not talking to the fruit. I'm not sugar. I am sugar, but I'm not talking to the fruit. I'm saying the Chavit Shabbos because it says... If you say the Kovach Kodesh, comes out better. The food tastes better. So you can try. Go to the store this week, okay, and buy eight potatoes, the Kovach Kodesh, and buy eight potatoes, not, don't say the Kovach Kodesh, and say which Kovach comes out better. See if it's true. But that's what it says. So I say that. Kovach Kodesh, take the apples, Kovach So he sees me talking Hebrew to the apples, so he thinks that his food is, his food is kosher. Okay, give me a discount. I'm not going to tell him. How would I tell him, right? All right. So he says this, Kavayash is where it comes from. For all those who, who think it's, it's stupidity to talk to your fruit, the whole table set, say, this is the Kavayash, the Kavayash. 
And you know what happens when you say that? As Pesachin Malach Hesharis, the Malachim open up, and they say, Ashrei Am Shukachalai, blessed is the nation. They, when you say that, they say that. Okay, later we come and I can be a three-time shot, Kurai Bez, Chiyal, Kol Adam, Lema, Piyutim, Simcha, Ulakavara Salev. Because each Piyut, we don't say, I don't say it, I don't know, some Chasidishishul do say it, that all these things are written, they're written with great Niflois in them. Maybe we should go back to saying them. Well, I don't want to read that. Are you ready for this? Want to hear a crazy story? No? You all tired? You got to practice. Practice. Later night. You can be up much later. Until the sun comes up in the morning. Listen to what he says here. This is from the Kavayasha. He says there was a Gadol Hadar. His name Rabbi Shlomo Gavirol. He was a Bucky in Chachmas Kabbalah. In Diktuk, in Chiber, and he wrote many piyutim for Tefillah. Because he was so smart, the Gayim were very jealous and they hated him. And a Yishmael, an Ishmaeli, an Arab, jumped on him, and he killed him. He was jealous that, I guess he was loved by the king. And he buried him. He had to hide him. He buried him under a fig tree. The fig started growing before the time that they should be growing. And the figs were huge figs. And everybody in the city were like, what? There were such figs. And why are they out in March? We're not supposed to be out until June. So they brought one of the figs to the to the king. And the king saw this fruit. He wondered. So he sent after to the owner of the Yishmael on the tree. What chachma did you come up with to make the fruit bear the tree bear fruit months before its time? But he, he, because he was scared, he knew why it was going on. He couldn't answer the king. Because Hashem made a miracle about these things. So the Melech started to beat him, started to torture him to find out, why aren't you talking to me? Until he admitted, from the day he killed this Jew, Rabbi Shlomo Gabriel, his call the Elon last his parents cut him the tree started giving early fruit and huge fruit. And they hung with the Ishmaeli. You don't mess with the Tzadik. Okay, there's just another thing and then I'm going to tell you two stories. Very important. They're collecting in every shul. Moschitim. Moschitim is very important. If you're a bacher, you got to give a dollar to you got to give something to Moschitim. It's very, very special. So here's a question that he asks. We know that you give money to Elis Neshamas. But if the person's in the right place already, 
So what, what's going to happen? What, how's it going to help? He says, They're standing by the gate of Gehenna. They still don't do tshuva. Do you understand that? How could they stand at the gate of Gehenna? They see Gehenna and not do tshuva. Isn't it too late anyway? I don't know. I guess not. I guess it isn't. What? You become that person. You you lose your you lose your choice. In this world, you have bechira. In that world, you don't have bechira. That's why we give and make sure that if you promise to give, you give. And you shouldn't push away your nedra. So afterwards, we go, you're supposed to go to your Rebbe's house, but I'm not going to be in Brooklyn. So if you want to come visit me, you can come visit me. So there's some rooms left in Arizona. Okay. When you when you mekabel the rebbe, you like mekabel shkina. By day kabbalas panim should mekabel bnei rayigo. When you go to see a rebbe by the yantam, as ba'aloy aras shalitas yudush yigiru neshami yisera, you get a new spark, like a new soul. So it seems to you that after davening on yantiv, if you have a re- you should you should stop by your rebbe's house. So that's the minig that if you have a rub and shul, you line up after davening and you shake him and you say good yantam good chavos. Not all shuls do that, but they should do that. So, because you can't always go to his house, but if he's in shul and you finish davening, you should line up and you should talk and say, you should talk and shake his hand. Okay? All right. The next story is a very long story that I'm going to tell you. Not from here. Anyone who has a kavayosh at home should learn from Pevav to Tzadikal. So, I've said this story before, but it's one of those stories you have to say, and then I'm going to read this girl's letter. Which I promise, I got a lot of emails like, Rebbe, you didn't read the letter last week. I didn't want to read it last week. This week we're going to read it. I also got a lot of beautiful emails about the tattoos. About, I think it's this week's parasha. I think it's this week's parasha. I think it's this week's parasha. Could it be this week's parasha? Parasha Sav, Parasha Sav. Oi, Pashisav. Maybe not. Maybe not. Why did I see it? I sort of... No, it's not the support. No, it's, um, Kedoshim. I think it's in Kedoshim. The Yisra to Saratas? No. No. Anyone here know? It's not in Kedoshim. You're not supposed to get a tattoo because the Kananim got tattoos and they used to cut themselves. You know that? When someone died and they used to pull their hair out, huh? What's a brand? Branding like an animal brand? They cannot have branded themselves? That's a tattoo, no? Okay. Anyway, last week we spoke about Howie, and we spoke about my other boy. 
This week we're going to talk about something else. We're going to talk about a story that Rabbi Wallstein actually wrote. I wrote a few stories. It's one of my stories that I wrote. It's a story, we'll say, we'll say it as short as we can, and then we'll read this letter and we'll connect it to into Pesach. So it's a story of Zoy. There was a king. There's always a king. And he was married, he had no children. And they asked the nation to pray for him that he should have an, a higher, a, an heir after, for the throne after he dies. And so they did that. And she got pregnant and had a child. But there were many enemies of the king. Like Haman hated Achishverosh. And if the king has a child, then you, no one else can become the king. It has to be the child of the king. And they wanted to take over the kingdom. And they had to get rid of that child. So, the child was born. And these were all close to the king. And they wanted to blame it on the Jews. Um, and they snuck in in the middle of the night. And they took the baby. And they killed the baby. At night, at night, the Rav of the city had a dream. And he saw in his dream that they killed the, the prince and they were going to blame it on the Jews, right? They're going to find the baby in the morning dead and they're going to say, we prayed for the king to have a baby. They prayed for the king's baby to die. So it was a big, like a blood libel. Interesting, just interesting. You have to know that nothing happens for nothing. Everyone who's watching, yesterday, there was a headline that a, a councilman got up and said that the weather, the snowstorms that we're getting, is the Jews' fault. That's what he said. It doesn't have to make any sense. A councilman in Washington. A black councilman in Washington. Got up. Just like... Right, but that doesn't matter. Any, any good lawyer, right, so you're in a case and you want the jury to hear something, but you know that you're not, it's illegal to say it in the case. So the lawyer gets up and he makes a statement and the other lawyer said, protests, right? What does he say? No, there's a word that he says. And he says, sustain, not sustain. Um, he doesn't say I protest. He says... Not, de- not denial. Objection. Objection, right. So, right, I want them to know a certain fact that I'm not allowed to talk about, right? So I say the fact. I say, well, I'll tell you a story that happened to me. So, we had a whole case, I had a whole case in England where a girl went through, through abuse and, and I had to testify against the Jewish guy that abused her. And we did in America because I wasn't sure if she was telling me the truth or not. So we had the FBI came to my house and they did a lie detector test. Okay, 10 questions. And when she finished the lie detector test, the guy told me 100% every answer she said was true. So they do, they do like two questions that are false to make sure it's working. Are you a boy? Right? Or, or like something that's false. And then they, they do the test. So it was 100% litmus test. 100% true. Now, a lie detector test is not admissible in court. In other words, 
it doesn't mean anything in court because you could be the lie detector. You could believe your story so much that it becomes part of you that you could pass the lie detector test. And sometimes you're just very nervous, and the nervous makes it that you're lying. So they, even though it, it t- really tells you the truth, it's 90% true or 99% it works, but in a court of law you can't use it. I'm sitting in England, right, and the lawyer says, the lawyer was making fun of me pretty good. He's like, in the Jewish world, you're like the Beatles. You're very famous. Like the Beatles were famous. And I was like, I don't know about that. Oh, no. I watched your videos. This guy, they did their work. I watched your videos. I, you have a lot of followers. So, how do you know that this girl is telling the truth? Maybe she just wants attention from a superstar. Okay? So, I knew I wasn't allowed to say it. The jury's sitting there. Because it's not admissible in court. But what do they know what I know? So I said, I know she's telling the truth because she took a lie detector test and she passed it. And the guy jumped up. Objection! Objection! It's not allowed to be brought in court. Because you're not allowed, you're not allowed to testify louder. And they want to send out the jury. They sent out the jury. They sent them out. Out! 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 They were going crazy. And they wouldn't talk back and forth. The lawyers, okay, they heard it. We can't do anything. I got it out. Now, objection. And the objection was sustained, which means that they agreed. The judge agreed that I wasn't allowed to say it. But they heard it. They knew that she passed it, right? So I did my job. So it's, so it's you, you say it, right? But So this guy got up, and it's all over CNN, all over the news. The Jews control the weather. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But everyone heard it. That's the idea. I'm sorry doesn't take it away. The objection doesn't take it away. I got, they heard what I wanted them to hear. We lost the case anyway. It didn't make a difference. But they heard what I wanted. So, so he got up and he did that yesterday. And it's at the time of Pesach. He didn't do it by accident. Because in the time of Pesach, they used to always get up and make blood libels and say that the Jews make the matzah out of blood, Gaisha blood. And somebody, I don't know if it was Germany, but somewhere two weeks ago, said that we make the hamantaschen. Out of, out of blood, somewhere in Europe. So this guy came out, Pesach time, with this weather libel. It's, it, it's stupid, right? Weather, but the, all the, the guy I've heard is Jews control, Jews control. They even control the weather. So the ones who are saying Israel, you know, he got, he got it in there. But anyway, and it's, 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 we had, we don't even understand, boys, you don't understand Go to hotels and Disney and Great Adventure and matzah and food and, and crazy stuff. The scariest time to be a, of being of being a Jew a whole year was Pesach. Thousands, tens of thousands of Jews were massacred every Pesach because they would kill a, a non-Jewish kid, take the blood, put it in a jar, right, hide it in the shul, and say that we killed the. King's kid or the minister's kid, because they was it was called a blood libel. They said that our matzah was made with blood. So the Jews used to shake Pesach. The whole golem that the Morami Prague made was just for the anti anti the the the, the blood libels on Pesach. And then when after Pesach 
he put him up back in the attic and, they, and he took the, the words of Hashem's name out and he became just a piece of clay. It used to be such a scary time. Today is a party time. Everyone's getting on the plane to Disney. I heard there's like 20,000 people going to Orlando. Geschmack. baby, but not here. What do you mean? What's why you shaking your head? What is wrong? What is wrong with giving your children a good time? What is wrong? Does it say you're supposed to fast? It's Tish above. You should break your teeth on. So let me tell you something. I got, I got up. No, I got up, and I was the guy who was anti, right? What I've seen in the last four years, if I didn't have Ornava, would I do it for the Sodom? No. But what I've seen is, is something which maybe I had to do it to understand it. So who's paying for all this? It's very expensive. The grandparents. There's no parents of the kids that are paying for it. It's the grandparents. Why? Because the grandmother and grandfather, we have people that have 60 people coming for Pesach to them. They cannot do it in a house. She can't, the grandmother can't cater 60 people. You don't have room for 60 people. So Baruch Hashem, Klayosol has grown that if, a grand, if I, Zechai Wallstein, all right, want to have all my children, son-in-laws, my daughters, and all my grandchildren, my house is not big enough. I'm not saying I would go to a hotel or not. I'm just saying my house is not big enough. So if I want them all, can I know, Leonor, and I'm a teeny little family. Your family is 60 and 80 and 40. So if you give your tzedakah and you give your 10% or 20%, whatever you're supposed to give for tzedakah, and you want all your kids sitting around the table with all your grandchildren for 10 days to be with them, calm down. Calm down. I don't disagree. We built buildings. We didn't clean. We left. <laughs> we sold the car. We left. We left. No, we cleaned. Tishpatu, you have to get rid of the chametz out of your house. You think we should do that? Half the generation is already in the... Half generation is... That's good. What, you don't want to do that? You do want to do that. I do want to do that. But I don't want to give the... So why don't, so why don't, so why don't you salt... Why don't we salt the chickens like we used to? Every base Yaakov girl in the old days, they taught them how to salt a chicken. My, my, mother, my mother-in-law in Europe learned how to salt a chicken, how to capture a chicken. My daughter wouldn't even know what side to cash the chicken on, right? You don't have to learn. Whatever. It's, it's, don't judge. We should. Don't, 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 don't judge. Don't. Or going to the garden. Going to the garden. Debris. We're going back to the garden. We're not going back to the city of Aden. Why are we sitting there? We're sitting in the city for They can't hear you. They can't watch. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Anyway, the bottom line is don't judge anybody. Everyone should do as long as it's kosher. Do what's good for your family and good for you, and that's all. I'm not judging anyone. Everyone should should be misemech. Listen, at the end of the day, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you what, what what I'm saying. So there are many rabbis that got up and were very and were very anti the schoola of Tuesday Pasha B'Shalach 
to say Parshas Haman twice with Unclus, right? And every shul, everybody was saying it, everybody was saying it, and they were like, why don't they just learn Gemara? Why don't they daven? Why don't they, right? Why do they do all this? And they were very anti that. And I went over to a rub and I said, you should be dancing. What should be dancing? He doesn't like schoolers. I said, most of the world says, how do I make money? I'm a good investor. I'm a good businessman. I'm a good closer. Every single guy in shul that's saying, Pajit Haman is saying, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you. Because if I think I'm a good businessman, what's the Pajit Haman for? I'm saying Pajit Haman means that I believe that the man, the panasa, it comes from Hashem. So I said to this woman, I said, you're anti what they're doing? You should be jumping on the top. Of, you should be jumping. You know how many Jews don't keep Pesach? You know how many Jews don't keep Pesach? I had a boy in my class, Joey Rezepko. Wow, I'm going back 35 years. Joey Rezepko. Not from, my class wasn't from at all. I'll never forget it. He went to Florida for Pesach. He came home. He said, Rebbe, I gotta tell you something. He's so excited. Like, what happened? We went to Burger King. It's a true story. We went to Burger King. They, were, they didn't keep kosher. And my whole family, you know, they were eating Burger King. Rebbe, I threw away the roll. I just ate the meat. He said, Pesach. Threw away the roll. Just ate the meat. I gave him a kiss. I said, "You are so holy. You're such a tzaddik." Right? I could have said, "Were you crazy? You chazer trade meat." For him, on his level where he was, his pesach was throwing away the roll. So you want to yell at him and scream at him? Did you eat chazer trade? No. You want to say that's good? You have to think like the. I light a candle every every. Um, Every month of Shabbos, I light a lot of candles. I light a candle of Rav Shimbayachoy. That we should have the chutz to be Rav Shimbayachoy every log by Okay. Then I light a candle of Rav Levi Yitzchak Ben Baditchev. Rav Levi Yitzchak Ben Sora Sasha. And Rav Levi Yitzchak Ben Rav Meir. And I'm like, I'm lighting a candle. You should help me find the good in every Jew. Because that's what he did. And then I light a candle for Rav Meir Balanes. And I say, you should help me find all the souls that are lost. Because when someone's lost, but and then I light a candle for the Baal Shem Tov, and I say, "You should give me the varm kite of chesidus, so I deal with people. I'm not a cold guy, but then I'm a warm guy." So if Lady Yitzchak would get up and say, "You're paying so much money to have a beautiful Pesach," wow! Don't be any different than that. Period. Period. That's what he was able to do. Whatever they're doing, they're paying so much money, they're flying to be with their family, to sit at a Seder table, to have all their little kids take out their papers and read their stuff. Yes, is it differently than I used to speak about, about it? Yes, is it because I'm in a hotel? Yes, because I watch what goes on in the hotel. And I go from Seder to Seder. There's not one Seder in that hotel that I don't give out frogs and jumping things and dumb tvadea and smart tvadea. Haha. And, and Kinim and Orov and, and Muppets and Puppets and, and, and you walk into every single room and they're all sitting there. Half the kids are sleeping. One of the problems in Arizona is that at 8 o'clock at night in Arizona, when you start the, the Seder, it's 11 o'clock New York time. So their heads is 11 o'clock. So they're out. So the first night, they're pretty much very tired. But it's beautiful. Hashem should, we should have more families. 
and, 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 and the people who don't mish, and the people who scrub the floors and do that, you should be gebenched. And the people who, who, who spend a lot of money, you should be you should all be gebenched. Because you know what? It's over 2,000 years since the Korban Pesach and the Beis HaMikdash, and we're still here. So whatever you do, Harizem Meshavach. Harizem Meshavach. Should be kosher, shouldn't be mixed swimming, should be no Averis. There's no, no excuse for Averis. But everyone should be happy. And, and we have to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I went, this is important for you. What? You should give the tzedakah, that has nothing to do with this. It's not, it's not my business. The tzedakah is between them and Hashem. It's not my business. It's not, it's not, everything's everyone's business. It's not my business what this guy gives. He gives the cheshman and shemayim for that, whatever it is. I'm, I'm saying this publicly. I went to a very, very big tzaddik two years ago. And he said, what do you want? What, if you, whatever you want, like, like what, you want a bracha for something? I said, no. I said, I want you to tell me, Ben Shemayim, they're happy with me. That's what I want. He has Ruch HaKadosh. Man has real Ruch HaKadosh. I said, that's all I want to know. Is Hashem happy with Zechariah Wallstein? So he closes his eyes for about 10 minutes. Whatever, he's a very big topic. I'm not giving him away, because so, I don't want to wait online. I'm not telling you who he is. I did that with Rabbi Gamliel, and now I can't get in. So I'm not doing that no more. So, you know, what am I thinking? Is she going to come back? Hashem, or now about to the ranch. Well, comes back, he says, want me to tell you the truth? I'm like, of course I want you to tell me the truth. Hashem's not so happy with you. That's pretty scary. I said, what isn't Hashem happy with? He says, he doesn't want you to talk bad about his children. You talk bad about his children, he's not happy. I said, okay, but how do you give Musr without... He said, listen, he said, a parent knows his children. A parent knows his children. He doesn't want to hear somebody else talk bad about them. In other words, I don't need you, the teacher, to come tell me how bad my kid is. I know my kid. I want to hear nice things from the teacher. You tell me the nice things that you find in my kid. My kid must be doing something nice. I don't want to hear his bad stuff. I know his bad stuff. I don't want to hear from him. He says, that's how Hashem feels. I was like, I was rocked. I was rocked. I was like, oh my gosh, after everything I do, they're not happy? No. If you talk bad about Klai Yisrael, you're not happy in Shemayim. You're not allowed to talk bad about Klai Yisrael, Ever. Compliment them. You can tell them what to do. You can tell them what they're doing wrong. You can't talk bad about them. So this year, when I was a Yom Kippur, I said, I need you to give me some info. He said, came back. said, you're doing a lot better. He said, you're doing a lot better. Don't badmouth classroom. People go to hotels. People don't go to hotel. Whatever it is. It's all good. It's his children. He don't, he knows what to do with them. You don't need to tell him what to do with them or what they're doing wrong. He knows. God knows what every single neshama in the world is doing. You have to get up and tell them what they're doing. Now, I'm not going to tell my story because it's already 1220. How long are we on? Okay, so we're going to end with this. We're going to end with what? I know, but I just started. It's a long story. 
We should do it. We should just do it. What? For a long time. Okay. So, anyway, so they, they, they kill the kid. And they're going to tell the, the king that the Jews killed the kid. That we prayed to kill him. That night, it was a miracle. That, that night, the, I mean, she was expecting. The rub's, wife, the rub's wife also gave birth. The rub, when he woke up from the dream, he was trembling because the king was going to wipe them all out, the Jews, because he thinks we killed this kid. So he went in the middle of the night. He didn't tell his wife. He didn't tell his wife. He took his kid. He switched it with the dead kid. They were born the same night, right? No one knew the difference. He put the dead kid in his crib, and he put the live kid there. And the next morning, the, the Rebbeitzin woke up, and the Nebuch was a crib death. And the whole community, went, you know, they buried him. And, and, and the king's baby was... And these Mishugam, the people who killed the kid to help out, said, oh my God, they ran away. They ran away from the country because they realized that God did kiss the mason. They killed the kid. And in the morning, they tried to get the Jews into trouble. You know, the kid was alive. So they realized that Hashem is on our side. And they thought he did a miracle. It wasn't a miracle, but that's what they thought. Okay. Kid starts to grow up. Meanwhile, it's not the king's kid. It's really the Jews' kid, but nobody knows that. His kid is buried. Fine. These guys, right? The kid's getting, is like two years old. And they decide that they still want to take over the, they still want to take over the, the, the kingdom. They have to figure out how they're going to get you know, how are they going to get this kid? You know, how are they going to get him? So they poison him. Some, one of, they got a guy into the kitchen, whatever it is, the kid's food, little two-year-old eating a cereal, they put some poison in it, and he became extremely, extremely sick, right? They, they try to kill him. Not, they weren't going to blame the Jews now. They, they want to take over the kingdom. He becomes very, very sick. And all the doctors are coming, they're trying to figure out what to do, and whatever medicine they use doesn't work. And he's, got, he's in a coma, he's in a deep coma, and they, I'm sure you remember this story, I've said this story. And they don't know what to do, and all the, all the stuff, the regular doctors don't work. They have to come up with something. And so one of the guys that was there told the king, you know, in the woods, in the forest, there are savages. The savages, they don't have anything to do with civilization. They have a medicine man. And I heard that he can cure anything. Why don't we get him to try to cure your son? So where is he? He says, oh, we'll find him. Anyway, they go with a bunch of soldiers, they go into the woods, they find out where the medicine man is, they come to his hut. All broken down hot. This guy's standing there. He's like mamish, like one of the, looks like a tree. He's like part of the forest, whatever it is, dressed in all the forest. And they see him and they're like, listen, the king, this is that, and, and you should, we need you to come to the castle. He goes, I haven't left since I'm a little boy. I haven't left the forest. I don't leave the forest. But to explain the king, he's the best king that we ever had. And Okay, I'll look at the kid. So he gets out. He comes in. All the doctors are looking at this sugar in the right. He comes with a bag full of different herbs and roots and zachen and machen and zachen, you know, all kinds of stuff. Not, not anything you'll find in, uh, in uh, CVS, you know, like old, old stuff. And he walks into the room, he looks at the king, the king's mom is, the, the kid's mom is green. Like, he's dead, he's blue, he's green. And he says, I want everybody out. And the king says, everyone out. And the medicine man sits down there next to the kid. The kid he knows the kid's poison. He's tell about what he's looking at, the kid's poison. And he goes through his medicines and he's like, there's maybe one medicine that's going to be able to help him. He's mom is in the other world already. It's very, very, very bitter. Very bitter root. He says, you know, I'll mix it with a little honey. And the kid's out. And he takes a dropper and he starts to drop this honey with this root, with this thing that he made, into the kid's mouth. And he's doing this for hours and hours, a drop at a time, a drop at a time. And the kid, to make a story, because it's a very long story, he gets better and better and better. 
and he's back to himself. And this old forest man, whatever it is, the king's like, I'll give you anything, whatever you want. He says, I don't want anything, but I have no children. And I'd like to have a place in the corner of the room that I can spend time with your son. And I want to teach him, because who's going to take over for me? I want to teach him the way of the forest, how to use roots and how to use these different medicines. And the, and the king said, it would be amazing if you could teach him that. So he's in the room. Anyway, to make a long story short, these guys decide they're going to kidnap the little kid. So they come into the room, they put chloroform, they put him to sleep, they put him in a sack, they go out the window, they have a boat waiting. And this guy, the, the medicine man, he sees everything that's going on, but he knows if he makes a sound, they're going to kill him and the kid. So he's very quiet, he just follows them. He follows them onto the boat, kid's on the bottom of the boat. Anyway, to make a long story short, they take the boat with the kid, kidnapped, the king has no more child, and they go to this faraway land, and they sell the kid as a slave. And in the, Indi- in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Indies, wherever it is, the old man is still, because he was a woods guy, nobody, he, could, he could go places, nobody sees him. He's watching, but he doesn't want to reveal himself. Anyway, this guy comes to the, where they're selling the slaves, and he sees him, and he has a child, he has a son exactly the same age, and he says to his son, you know, I have no, we have no other brothers and sisters, but you want, to, you want someone that you can play with? He says, yeah. So he buys this kid. He, he's buying the prince, but he buys this kid. Anyway... So they grow up a little bit together, but this kid's very jealous because his father is giving attention to the slave also. So he decides that he hates this kid now. He was his friend, now he hates him. He tells his father, I want you, I don't want him anymore as a friend. Um, I don't want you to sell him. I want you to put him in the kitchen, and I want him to be my slave. Okay? The father is very subtle to do anything. He puts him in the kitchen. He's there for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. He's already now 18, 19 years old. But he's a kitchen guy. He's filthy. He's a, he's a peasant. He's a nobody. Anyway, it's this kid's 21st birthday. The, 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 the boy, the, the son of the guy who bought the slave. He says, for my 21st birthday present, I want you to make this guy in the kitchen, this guy, okay, we'll call him Michael. I want, I want him to marry the, the kitchen slave that's in there. There's this old lady with one tooth. She looked like Broomhilda, the witch, Right? And he thought it would be very funny, if it's because they're slaves, his father's going to force this boy that was his age to marry this older woman, right? And he's going to really get him. That's it. So they come into the kitchen, and they're like, you, Michael, tonight you're getting married. Married who? To Hilda. One tooth. One big tooth sticking out of her mouth. She hasn't been in a shower in like 15 years. Like, forget about it. Everybody, she would go to one side of the kitchen, everyone to the other side of the kitchen. Like, please, I'm begging you to do anything. I'll work 24 hours a day, 24-7. Not her, not her. No, we're making the way tonight. We have no choice. Goes back to his room. He's sitting on his bed. He's crying. Totally forgot who he was. He was a little kid when he was, when he was um, stolen. He doesn't know who he was, whatever it is. He's just crying and crying. What am I going to do with Hilda? Like, I, I can't believe he's doing this to me. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of the room, steps the old man, the medicine man. Michael, you know who I am? He looks at him and goes, no, what are you doing in my room? He says, why are you crying? He says, why am I crying? Did you see what Hilda looks like? He says, listen, you're not who you think you are. What do you mean I'm not who I think you are? Really, you were kidnapped many, 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 many years ago. I was there. In a faraway kingdom, you are the prince. 
He's like, you know, don't tell me these stories, stupid stories. Get out of here, old man. You, you, you lost your mind. You're senile. He says, I'm telling you, you're a prince. And now's the time we're going to escape. We're going to go out the window. I have a little boat ready. We got to get out of here now because otherwise you're going to have to marry this woman. He says, I'm not going with you nowhere. I don't know who you are. Don't tell me no stories. If this is who I have to marry, I need the job. I'm, this is who I'm going to marry. And the medicine man is thinking to himself, he forgot totally. He's been in that kitchen so long. And he says, hold on. I want to ask you a favor. He takes out this little vial. He says, I want you to drink this. If you don't remember me after you drink this, I won't make you drink anything else. He says, how do I know it's not poison? A little humor for a pre-Pesach shear. The medicine man says to Michael, after looking at Hilda, you wish this was poison. <laughs> so he drinks it. It's a very ridiculous story. He drinks it. It's bitter. And he says, this is disgusting, but I think I once had this drink. Here, take a little more. He takes a little more and he says, I know, I was a little boy. Give me a little more. He gives him a little more. He says, and I was laying on a big bed. And there were pillars on the bed. He says, whose slaves, whose slaves lay on big beds with pillars? I am telling you, you're a prince. He says, give me more. He gives him more. He goes, there's this beautiful lady with a crown on her head. My God, that's my mother. She's the queen. Says, that's what I'm trying to tell you the whole time. Let's get out of here. And Kachoya, they get out of there. And they get onto the boat and they escape and they come back to the land where he came from. He hasn't been there in 19 years. And the land that he had left was a beautiful castle, gold and silver and shiny. And he comes to this castle and it's cobweb, filthy, dusty. And all the people are walking around with their head down on the floor. And the old man says, what's going on? He says, all the people are like, oh, 19 years ago we lost our prince and since then the king and the queen, they don't talk to anyone. They're in deep depression. The whole land's in deep depression. Everyone's poor. So he goes into, he breaks into like the throne room with him, with the boy. And he says to the king and queen, lift your heads! Your son is here! They don't even lift their heads. Because you know how many people came and said they were the prince? And after they checked it out, they saw it was just, it was baloney. And they're like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, get, get out of here, you phony. He says, lift your head. Look at this boy. And the king lifts his head and he says, my gosh, he looks exactly like his mother. It's him. And party, clean up, everything. Beautiful kingdom, they live happily ever and after. Every Wallstein, what's going on over here? This is what's going on over here. Gershbochu had no child in this world. He had no representation in this world. And then he had Avram Avinu. And he had Avram Avinu. And Nimrod tried to kill Avram Avinu, threw him into a fire. And Amalek tried to kidnap us. To make a long story short, we ended up going into Gullus. We ended up being in the kitchen. So many years that we have totally forgotten that we are the, the B'nai Hashem. We are Malachim, Banim Atem Hashem, that we're the king's children. But we're so used to working 
in the kitchen with the slaves in Golos with Hilda. That we're marrying Hilda. We're, we're, we're intermarrying into a nation that has nothing to do with us. We're busy with rock and roll, Goyeshi music, with, with pornography, with, with internet, with all this garbage. We're so long in the kitchen. We have no idea who we are. And then you have these people that get up and say, you know who you are? You're a Bash Yisrael. You're a, you're, you're, you're Banama Temel Hashem. And we're like, ridiculous. We're not God's children. Like when I, sometimes I tell, I tell girls, you know, you have to get dressed. You're, 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 you're the princess. And she's like, well, I'm a princess. How come I don't have a credit card? You know, how come I don't have a fancy car? What do you mean I'm a princess? You know, what kind of princess? So nobody believes it. Nobody believes. Nobody believes. Right? Well, I look the same as every other human being. What? What? Jews are no different. Comes Pesach. And Akash Baruch Hu says, God is the old man in the story. You were Avadim, but you're not Avadim anymore. Once upon a time, I gave you a medicine. It was bitter. It was plain. It was matzah and marah. It comes Pesach night. When we eat the matzah and marah, Anashama says, I remember something a long time ago. Give me a little more matzah. Let's do a kezayis. A little more mara, a little more matzah. And the Shema begins to remember the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Thousands of people even Mitzrayim. The gold, the silver, the, the, the going, to the, going to Harsinai. Everything that we became. And, and, and we, we have this memory only comes to us. Pesach night. And we remember who we are. And we're like, Hashem, we're back. We're back. We are princes. We are the sons of God. We are the B'nai Yisrael. How does that happen? We forgot about that. We got televisions and movies and iPhones and all this stuff. And we're living in the kitchen and, and there's someone telling us that tonight you are free. You are a king. And the answer is from the matzah. Because the Zoya says that matzah is lechem de meimenusa. That's his lashon. Matzah is the bread of emuna of belief. What does that mean? That drink that he gave to this kid brought back the belief that I'm not a slave, but that I am the king's son. And that's the matzah that we eat, and that's the mara that we eat, and those are the cups of wine that to bring back that neshama that is so in the dirt, so with Hilda, so in the kitchen to bring that back. That it should remember, that Hashem remembers, I once ate matzah, I once ate mara. It was a different place, there was something else going on. Oh my God, God, lo malach, lo, there was no shliach. God was in Mitzrayim, and he took me out. And ma shira shifcha, what a shifcha saw, what a shifcha saw by the, by the Kriyas Yamsa, the greatest saligancy, they saw the shechina. And that brings us back to who we need to become. So I want to end with this letter. Very, very sad. As sad as it can get. But to give you an understanding what a Jewish neshama is. It's a very, very special girl that was so close to her. From a very holy, holy Rebisha family. And she struggled, struggled with demons. With She just had a very hard life. 
They didn't know what to do with her. Nobody would take her. So I said, I'll take her into Ateres Nava, to my seminary. At least she'll be safe. And our minog, our custom in Ateres Nava is that when you come to our school, you write um, what you want, what your expectations are that you will be in five years from now. So they'll write what, what, they, what they expect to become. And then five years later, we have all the letters. Five years later, we send it to them. We don't open it. And they should look at where are they up to and where they think they'd be up to. Two weeks ago, Daphne Hansen, who's the, executive direct, the, the head of, of Ateras Nava, came to me. It was five years now from 2013. As you said before, Pesach, I'm mailing out all the letters to all the girls, married some of them, whatever. But I have a letter. I don't know what to do with it. I said, whose letter? She told me whose letter. Faye's letter. And I said, you can't send it to the parents. I need to read it before. I don't know what she wrote. When she was in my school, she was at the worst point of her life. Opiate user. It was, she was in a very bad place. Not keeping anything. And two years ago, she died. An overdose. Um... The first girl that I ever lost, that I ever dealt with, that died from an overdose of heroin. Very tragic. Very, very, very tragic. One of the reasons I opened up the ranch. But anyway, so my expectations of this letter would be like, uh, in five years from now, I'm going to be a movie star. That's, you know, a movie star. She wasn't sneers at that point. She wasn't keeping Shabbos, she wasn't keeping kosher, she wasn't keeping anything, she was drugging. <laughs> what, what? What would this girl write that she expects to be in five years? I did not stop crying after I read this letter, and I drove the following day to her parents, who don't live here, and delivered the letter personally. I would like to read the Klayusrol that you should understand what an neshama, what a Jewish neshama means, Okay. So this is what she writes. So she's writing to herself, right? Because that's the letter. Dear 25-year-old self. This is written on October 7th, 19th, 2013. Five years ago. She had no idea that she wouldn't, she'd, be on the, she'd be in the ground at this point. Blah, blah, blah. Mrs. Hanson, she was 20. Mrs. Hanson gave us an assignment to write what we want a life to be like in five years. So... So, with like a hundred O's. So, basically, at the age of 25, I want to be happily married with a kid. I would want my husband to be from, daven three times a day, be in college or graduated with a good job. I wouldn't mind if he learns half a day. Or at least has one Seder a day. I want my husband to be an honest, good-looking guy with his priorities straight. For myself, I want to have a career in a high-class business, preferably with computers or something like law. I would like to have my friends coming over for Shabbos meals. I want to have an open house, constantly having guests, or anyone who wants to be there for Shabbos will be welcomed. I want to live in an open-minded, firm community like Teaneck, well, maybe I'll live in Eretz Yisrael. 
I want to go to seminary in Eretz Yisrael next year. As of now, I am not Shemr Shabbos or anything, but I hope to be a good from Jew one day. Love me. She wrote this. She wrote this in the worst time of her life. That she wants to marry a boy who's going to learn half a day. In my whole life, I've never, I would have never dreamt that she would even say, "I want to be Shem Shabbos." That's an Ashama. That's a Jewish Ashama. The problem is, she will never have that home. She will never have that husband. She will never have that child because she died two years ago when I would know. I believe that every single Jewish boy, a Jewish girl who passed away in the last two years, which is over 200, 300 kids from overdoses and suicide, that every single one of them, this is exactly what they wanted in their life. And the tragedy is that it will never happen. Fagy will never have a husband. She'll never have a house to have people for Shabbos. All these dreams died two years ago. It's our job as Klai Yisrael to make sure that no more of these dreams die. We really have to build rehab, support them, build them, build gyms, whatever we have to do, because I, I really honestly think that he went to the boy that's the biggest atheist, the biggest Mechal Shabbos, and he said, write me a letter, what you want to be in five years, it wouldn't look any different than this. So we have to make sure that this Pesach we have in mind the children that are out there. Um, you know, there's a, there's a very famous Rebbe, I don't know who said this, that the Russia of the four sons is one of the four sons. There's one child that's missing in the four sons. What child is missing? The one that's not there. So the Russia was put Next to the tzaddik, next to the chot, right? What do you have? First is la. Who's first? The chacham. Who's next? Shouldn't, shouldn't it be chacham, tam, sheni yodel yishol? Russia, is the worst. Why are you putting the Russia next to the chacham? Famous question. I don't know which Rebbe said this. But he said more than that. Why is why is, why is the Russia next to the chacham? If you can do it in levels of goodness, chacham, tam, sheni yodel yishol, Russia. He said, the Russia of this year, because he came to the Seder, will be the Chacham of next year. But if he didn't come to the Seder, there's, 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 there's no lifting for him in the Seder. Therefore, we need to daven, and we need everyone that's watching. It's very nice, it's all very nice, but it's very important that the kids who don't have a Seder that they come to your table, even if they're not behaving, even if they're a Russia, we don't call our kids Russia, or they're a She'en De'elishal, or they're a Tom, but if they're not at the table, then they're not identified in the Haggadah. That's tragic. The Russia's not tragic. He's there. He's angry. What do I need this for? What do I want this for? We know we put him next to the Chacham, because if you're there, you're a Chacham. Russia, you're a chacham, you showed up. The guy who doesn't show up, he's, he's nothing. We've got to make sure everybody shows up. Because everyone shows up, 
you're going to be such a letter. Shana Bab Yushalayim. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.